I'm JJ Hornblast, and welcome to The Buzz from Bank Automation News, where we chart the future of banking automation technology. This is our weekly wrap for what's happening in the industry um, as of April 23, 2021. Before we begin, a great thanks to our advertisers, NARMI, MX, and Aileron for their support. Thank you to them. And I am pleased to be joined by Jaspreet Kalra from the Bank Automation News Editorial Team. Hello, Jaspreet. In general technology news, uh, first off, uh, the Intel CEO uh, said yesterday that semiconductor chip supply constraints could last two years. Uh, the CEO said that supply constraints that have affected some sectors of the global economy will continue um, until more capacity comes online and that will take time. And that's as uh, reported by the Wall Street Journal. Crypto, the cryptocurrency market lost $200 billion of market cap just yesterday as the Bitcoin price plunged below $50,000 a Bitcoin on news that President Biden is expected to raise long-term capital gains tax. It, it is reported that Apple is working on upgrades to its iMessage, uh, iMessage service with the eventual goal of making it more like a social network to better compete with Facebook's WhatsApp application. In banking automation industry news, we are going to discuss what will really drive automation in the future, whether that's open banking or low code applications and services. We're gonna start by discussing uh, news from uh, the Financial da Data Exchange, FDX. Um, what is FDX and uh, what milestone did they cross uh, recently? So FDX is a nonprofit that essentially wants to standardize payment uh, methods. So uh, let me try that again. In terms of uh, FDX being an nonprofit group, it tries to standardize data sharing methods, almost like building standardized pipes for data to move around from one financial group to the other, be it a payment processor, be it a bank, or be it an online payment servicing app. And the milestone that they recently crossed and they released data on this yesterday was that 16 million people in US and Canada now use their open banking APIs to conduct these transactions. And that is notable also because Till date, it was thought that the European Union area, especially the UK, was the leader in open banking regulation and adoption. But these numbers show that you know, these things are taking off, especially with the digitization trend that we've seen over the last year. Things like Venmo, things like Cash App becoming a lot more popular. That way, you're also seeing open banking transform how different institutions within the payments and financial space interact and share information with each other. And FTX is sort of at the center of this because they're standardized pipelines run that data across the systems. Let's hold that in advance for just a moment and talk about the two other uh, developments of Node in the industry this past week. UiPath, uh, really the leading 
RPA, uh, automation uh, technology provider uh, in the um, uh, out there now, uh, certainly for financial services, priced uh, its IPO on Wednesday. Uh, the share prices shares priced at fifty six dollars a share. They are now at seventy five dollars a share, which represents a market cap of slightly over thirty nine billion. And the other news development was that um, low code platform maker FinTech OS raised $60 million in a Series B. And what's notable or what ties the two, uh, them together, uh, that news to the UiPath news is that it's uh, Draper Esprit, uh, the venture firm that had invested in UiPath uh, that was also a part of FinTech OS's Series B. So, Jespreet, what do those two developments uh, say to you about uh, kind of market priorities or um, market uh, perceptions of opportunity as it relates to uh, automation technology? Well, certainly, I mean, those two companies are so uniquely different in the sense that UiPath is a much more matured company, been in the space for more than 10 years now, been doing this thing, whereas FinTech OS is a low-code development platform that's raising its Series T now. But the common ground here becomes that both of these sort of services are quick to deploy, can eliminate some tasks without having to rip up the entire legacy system and recreate entire workflows. So what you've seen what started with say digitization in 2020 is now also moving forward to like, can we do it at scale and can we do it in a way that is sustainable and not just a quick gap measure to, to keep the work flowing while people are not inside offices. Now, on the one hand, you have UiPath, which serves a lot of Fortune 500 companies, counts the biggest some of the biggest corporations in the world among its clients. Yet at the same time, the common thread being that there's a lot of backend workflows that are tedious tasks that need to be done on an Excel screen just by say moving data from one screen to the other. And now you have software that can do that. And as 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 humorous as it is, software doesn't have any downtime, so it doesn't take weekends off. So those things naturally, you know, represent an efficiency gain for a lot of companies. And they're also looking to use tools that are not too complicated to deploy. Like it shouldn't take too long to deploy in when it's only eliminating a simple task. So that's where I think low code comes in. These are like drag and drop tools for developers who know what they're doing so they can build on those tools. And very often say within an organization, the people who are doing those tasks know what tasks need to be eliminated. So to have them sit down in a room with six developers and then develop a unique program to deploy it would be much more complicated than taking a low code tool that has the basics built in already, but you can customize it as per your needs. So I think clients or like any company looking to sort of deploy these automations going forward will be looking for that sort of flexibility in terms of can this do that and also that and also an extras if that can be reassigned to if we don't need it for that anymore. And those sort of things really come fleshed out in low code and RPA applications that are easier to retool and redirect in terms of the tasks you're looking to eliminate and automate. So let's deal with the question that we started with, which is low code 
or APIs or open banking. Mm -hmm. Now, let, let's just put a bit more specificity around the question because obviously a, a low-code low platform really has it, it, less relevance if there aren't API applications, uh, API, API opportunities applications that, that can be a part of the deployment. So let's just leave that issue uh, for a moment. The question really is, is that which is uh, the head of the, uh, uh, of, the uh, uh, of the fish? Which is the real primary, at least currently right now, that is going to kind of lead to uh, the type of um, uh, technology adoption that we've already seen and, and, are, and expect to continue to see? Uh, I'll let you give your opinion before I share mine, Jespri. All right, so with the analogy I would go back to here is something like say Facebook versus TikTok. When Facebook was on, when Facebook came out initially, it was the social media to be at, which I think is a lot what RPA is right now. It's a solution that almost everyone understands, has been around for a while. So there's some level of trust built into it, but at the same time, you have new technology appearing on the horizon, like low code tools. Now, on the one hand, RPA tools, also have their limitations in terms of how much you know complexity they can process is it rpa in many ways is thought of as a linear automation which is you ask it to move a can from one shelf to the other it can do that if you ask it to do more than that it might not be able to whereas on the other hand low code gives you more of that flexibility to develop tools that can go beyond just one linear process and at the same time tasks that are uniquely suited to say low code stuff would be, as I mentioned earlier, moving data from one Excel sheet to the other. A simplified task that can be done through software that doesn't need extensive programming. So I would say low code is the TikTok here. It's a good challenger, but right now it's still nascent. It's still developing as a tool that people may or may not completely understand and or trust right now. So you're going to see those transitions play out for sure, but I think RPA is a much bigger sort of bucket right now with a lot more people using it and that that sort of ui path ipo also speaks to that so when companies reach a certain level of maturation they want to be traded on public markets whereas a lot of those local enterprises are still in the startup phase so you're seeing experimentation you're seeing a lot of new techniques being played out but that sort of maturation might be i i, I mean predicting the future is a beast but a couple of years or so away still but is the is, but is the is the open is is the open banking mm -hmm. uh, dynamic so crucial, right? That that's also sort of the question here. And what I I, I look at this FDX news uh, of sixteen million users, and uh, frankly, it, it seems underwhelming to me. Uh, when you compare, uh, just think of one of the major banks. So Bank of America now, it, last quarter crossed 40 million digital active users. They're adding 1 million, uh, approximately 1 million digital active users every quarter. Um, for FDX to, you know, 
sure, 16 million is a big number on some level, but to some other, you know, to uh, if looking at it with another lens in, in regards to you know, kind of the number of users, uh, banking users in total in the United States, you know, this is a relatively inconsequential number. And uh, at least today, um, or this week, I should say, <laughs> this week, uh, you know, the evidence uh, suggests that the market is favoring or placing its bets or viewing with, you know, greater viewing the greater valuation as coming from the low code uh, side of the fence. Because, I mean, UiPath is also uh, to some degree a low code provider with its, um, you know, studio product where it's a drag and drop uh, you know, uh, RPA bot building tool as one. I mean, there are other tools that they offer, but some of it is low code. Um, so, uh, you know, it seems to me that when you weigh this kind of open banking versus low code dynamic, at, at least the market is telling us or telling, at least it, it seems to be telling me that um, it's really the low code uh, side that has the greater import and the facilitation of the APIs is, is somewhat secondary um, in importance to the ability to um, deploy quickly and inexpensively and within and to do so within the rubric of you know banking systems as uh, as complex as some of them are. Uh, agree or disagree with that, Jasper? Partially agree, partially is um, you know, more, more of a tempered approach to seeing what might play out. Uh, and I think FDX's Don Cardinal put it very well to me in our interview in the sense that he said that every wave of adoption tends to be bigger than the last one. And that plays out in different markets, almost in the uniform way that, say, when mobile check deposits became a thing initially, it was a small thing that was added to your bank app. No one really paid that much attention to it, but now almost everyone uses it and we've gotten used to it. And we don't have any questions that you know prevent us from using it anymore. So that way, I would say that open banking really represents a lot of pluses in terms of payments functionalities, where you're seeing a lot of this data that was sitting siloed is now able to move around more easily. And on the other hand, when you go to the low code side of things, where it's easier to develop tools that do those very things, you're going to see more adoption, certainly. But when it comes to enterprise level adoption, which are the major demand drivers for a lot of these tools, a lot of these organizations are also looking for someone to build out those tools and then give it to them and not have to devote an entire section of their own employees to build out these tools. So I think there's different applications on each end. And when it comes to sort of what's going to be driving the demand going forward and what's going to be dividing the, the what customers need. I think freer flower movement of data, especially with more control, is going to be a central issue as we move towards this digitized banking age. But at the same time, you're going to see companies look to make efficiency gains by removing a lot of those legacy and processes and siloed storages that were holding them back for so long. So I think it's going to be a more of a symbiotic relationship, but certainly low code is going to be 
an area of growth to watch out for for any enterprise looking to deploy these applications? An excellent answer, Jespreet. Thank you so much. What do we have? I'm going to let you have the last word on that. So what do we have uh, planned for our readers next week? So going forward, I am going to start looking into how the EU is looking to regulate AI technologies, and they've made three broad buckets, unusually high risk, like unpermittably high risk, high risk, and low risk applications. And there's a lot of expectations that this will increase compliance requirements on AI applications. So one of my stories will explore whether such rules are likely to trickle into US guidelines, and also this trend of how a lot of banks and financial institutions and credit unions are now turning to robo-advisors to deliver some extra value to their customers and hopefully retain them and keep them from going away to another institution, which, as Jamie Simon said in his letter, banks are facing challenges from everywhere. So those are the sort of main themes we'll be exploring next week. Excellent. Jasper, thank you so much. And thank you all for joining us for this episode of The Buzz. Uh, please follow us on Twitter, uh, and LinkedIn, and of course, visit us at bankautomationnews.com where you can get all sorts of excellent insights and um, news from the industry. Again, thank you for joining us on The Buzz. We'll see you next time.